0: Welcome to Equipus Christchurch. Equipus Church is a whole lot of friends championing one another to go higher in Christ. For more details, check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch. Hey, if we haven't met yet, uh, my name is, is Jono, and it's a pleasure to, to welcome you here today. Uh, and, and we are, in, in a couple of weeks, we're giving you lots and lots and lots of lead-ins so that you build anticipation. It's like Christmas, right? Uh, we're going to be launching our theme for the year, which is this idea of free people, right? And, and so what, we, what we're wanting to do in kind of the, the weeks, really, it's like a month, uh, <laughs> leading up to that is, is build a bit of a foundation. Who knows foundations are important? Hopefully you do, just sung about it. Uh, and, and so we want to build some foundation of, if we are pursuing freedom this year, if we believe that, that we are a people set free by God to live free lives, to live lives that free others, how do we take stock of, of where we're at? Maybe we could ask the question, who are we? What makes you, you? Yeah, and, and so kind of last week, we, we started this discussion with, we're talking about the fact that we are what we say, We looked at the encouragement of of Paul in Romans 7, that there's a wall within us, and and, and we can choose to focus on things that are not helpful, or we can choose to focus on things that are helpful, that we can choose to seek the true, the noble, the reputable, the authentic, the compelling, the gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, right? That, That we are all telling ourselves a story about ourselves and the world, and that that story matters. And so that was last week, right? We, we are what we say. What you say matters, not just out loud, but also the internal dialogue in your head. And today I want to look at our, our actions, right? Not just you are what you say, but you are what you do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are what you do. That was, that was pretty good. That was seven out of 10. Why don't you bow your heads with me and, uh, and let's, let's pray. Um, God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the, for the honor and the privileges to come together as your people, to, to turn to your word. God, I thank you that your word is living. God, that every time we come in, in, in pursuit of you, God, that, that you are not hard to find. And God, I pray today as we look at your word, as we look at your truth, because all truth is your truth, that, that we would be built up, that it wouldn't just be ideas or concepts, but that it would land in us in a way that is helpful, that we would leave here better equipped to follow you, to live a life that, that honors you and brings freedom to us and, us and others. Praise in Jesus' name, amen. So like I said, I think it's really important that we talk about what we do, right? Because if, if all we have are kind of thoughts and intentions, then it's just that, yeah? It's, it's good intentions. Do we agree? I mean, think about the, the song that we just finished with, yeah? Imagine if you were building a house and you think to yourself, it would be really important that this house has some firm foundations, If all that ever is is just a thought, this house should have some firm foundations. Who knows, when some weather rolls around, those thoughts are not going to serve you as well as if maybe you had acted on those thoughts and done something about it. Yeah, that is to say, there's nothing wrong with thoughts. Thoughts are good. We start with thoughts, but if all we ever have are thoughts, then we're missing out on a whole lot of what is available to us. It's just good intentions, more than just thinking about things, what's really important is also what we do. We have agreement? Good. Building from that shared uh, place of agreement. And then turn with me uh, to First Thessalonians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 5 to 8 in the message transliteration. Uh, and Paul says this, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 5 and 8. He starts by saying, you are sons of light, daughters of day. We'll just stop right there before we, before we get any further. Sometimes when we start reading the Bible, we, I don't know about you, it can take a few verses to get warmed up, yeah? You, kinda, you read into a few bits, and, and, and around about like three or four verses in, it starts really hitting, and you're like, this is encouraging. But this is good from the start. Take that on board. You are sons of light, daughters of the day. That means if you're a follower of Jesus, God says that he thinks about you, that you are a son of light, or you are a daughter of the day. That is to say you are not your pain. You are not your past. You are not your guilt. You are not your shame. You are not your family of origin. You are not your dysfunction. You are what are you? You are a son of the light, a daughter of the day. See, I think when we identify ourselves as our mistakes, we stay crippled in this, this loop, this downward spiral of disorder. But but when we say when we stop for a second and say, "Hey, so just a second, I'll take this thought captive," yeah. right? Yeah, we're about it. I'll acknowledge this, this negative thought. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to continue to think about it. Instead, I'm, I'm going to remind myself, I am who God says I am. I just wonder if we took on board today, nothing else but this idea, I'm a son of the light. I'm a, I'm a daughter of the day. How might that change our actions? Right, Like we said last week, it's not all just a case of mind over matter, but it is a case of the fact that what happens in your mind does matter. That what you think about yourself and others matters, right? We're just seven words in. I feel like we've already got our our money's worth. Uh, Seven words, if you're counting, it is seven words. You can count if you want. I promise I didn't lie to you then, right? It continues though. We live under wide open skies and know where we stand. So let's not sleepwalk through life like those others, as, as some of you might know, Em's gone out probably because Harriet has decided she would like some company. But uh, Em Em sleepwalks a little bit. I can tell you about this because she's not here, right? As long as we have consensus agreement, we won't tell her that, that I told you about it. We in agreement? You're like, no, John, I would never do that to Emma. That's a horrible. Just go with it, right? Uh, so, Em sleepwalks a little bit, which I find equally hilarious and terrifying. Uh, I find it terrifying when I wake up in the middle of the night and she's sitting up in bed just looking at me, right? And I'm like, how long's that been going on for? This is. Okay, cool. I'm going, like, oh, hi. So, just don't. Just... So, as I was saying, the word of the Lord is. Uh... It's. Uh... Don't worry, I put all of these things past her beforehand. It's all just a show that she doesn't know. Uh, But I find it hilarious when I hear stories about M growing up Uh, and and, and her her dad finding her doing things like sitting in the bathtub fully clothed in the middle of the night playing the recorder i just think that that's great right i'm like that's that's an amazing amazing thing to buy. it's a lot less scary as well if just some feedback for your subconscious if you could choose between freaky staring and, and midnight recorder playing let's go for that the answer is you need to find a recorder but hide it from the kids Right? We all know, kids playing recorders, there's, yeah. Anyway, let's go back to the Bible, shall we? Continuing, uh, it says, let's keep our eyes open and be smart. People sleep at night and get drunk at night, but not us. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. Walk out into the daylight sober, dressed up in faith, love, and the hope of salvation. If I could sum up this message for you today in, in one sentence, it would simply be that. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it, right? What does that mean, right? What does it mean to, to act like a creature of the day? Continuing on from last week, we could, we could put it this way. If our thoughts are God-honoring thoughts, if we are focused on what is above, not below, how might that impact our, our actions, And this is a big question, right? Like I want to acknowledge there have been books written on this topic. There's a a lot to unpack, but today I want to look at three kind of simple things. We'll start practical and we'll end a bit more theological. I want to look at what we're wearing, the tension in acting, and and finally the importance of of being awake. If you're taking notes today, my first point for you is, 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 what are you wearing? Turn to your neighbor, in fact, and ask them, what are you wearing? Some of you, you're scared to ask that, right? You're like, that feels judgy. I'm like, what are you wearing? I can see what you're wearing. That's a silly, silly question, right? Or it could come out as like, what? what are you wearing, right? Like this, you know, now I feel judged in church and this is hurting me. This is trauma. We've got to work through it. I don't know about you. I find fashion really interesting. Uh, in particular, one of the things I, I love about fashion is, is the disconnect between how something might feel in the moment and, and how it feels looking back on it. Does anyone relate to this feeling at all? Let, let me describe it a, a little bit for you. I remember uh, in, in Intermediate, we had a school disco. Anyone do school discos in Intermediate? It's just, it's the height of a good time, right? And it's not true at all. It's deeply uncomfortable. Uh, and, and so we had this, this school disco, and, and so I got dressed up special. And, and I had one item of clothing that I was very excited to wear. I had a red puffer vest. And I was like, this red puffer vest is, is redefining fashion. This red puffer vest is the best thing that anyone has ever worn. I thought I looked so cool. And, and it was highly impractical. It, the, the disco was not in the height of summer, and I lived in Wellington, so we only have summer one day of the year anyway, and it wasn't that one day, so, so it was fine. But school discos get hot. Yeah, because you jam in like 100, 200, 11 and 12-year-olds into a school hall. And I would say everyone was dancing, but but, but no one was dancing because that would require talking to each other, right? So everyone's just standing around awkwardly looking at each other as Nelly plays. And and the teachers realize what the lyrics to Nelly are and are like, this is probably inappropriate for 11 and 12-year-olds, but here we are. Right, and so everyone's standing around in the school disco, and and I'm standing there inside in my red puffer vest, and I think I look cool, but I'm also very, very hot. But I don't want to take it off, because I only thought about the puffer vest, right? I was wearing something underneath, but underneath wasn't as cool as the puffer vest, so I'm just slowly getting hotter and hotter and hotter. But I thought that I looked good. In fact, I thought I looked hot. I did. It's not in the way that I thought I looked hot, right? Like, I looked overheated. I thought I looked good, though. And and it being a school disco, my parents took some photos before and and after. and, And years later, I looked back at those photos and I was like, huh, would you look at that? I looked like that. Okay, cool, moving on, right? We will hide those photos and make sure that they never find the light. It wasn't just the red puffer vest, it was also the like heavily gelled hair down in spikes in front of my eyes, and the, the pug necklace. Did anyone else do the pug necklace? Like the little metal balls. The funny thing is, the outfit that I'm describing. Fashion is cyclical. So some people in the room are like, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, Jono. That sounds pretty, right? Like Josh is like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going for exactly that look. Right? My, my point is, 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 so often in life I think we can put something on, maybe practically, but, but maybe it could be applied a little bit broader, and look back at ourselves and think, man, what was I wearing? What, what, was, I, what was I putting on? What was I wearing? What ways in which were I behaving? Paul encourages us in Thessalonians to, to be dressed in faith, love, and hope. What does that mean, right? Well, I think the first thing that it means, the first thing we can take from it, is that we can wear other things. That if we're not intentional in what we put on, we can wear fear, we can wear insecurity, we can wear bitterness. I don't know about you, when I get home from work, I take off the clothes that I've been out and about in the day and, and I put on some clothes that I do not mind my children wiping their nose on. You might say, "Johnny, you could suggest they don't wipe their nose on your clothes. I could, but they won't take the suggestion, it's easier just for me to change my clothes, Right? Is that bad parenting? Who knows, right? We'll never know. This is not a feedback session. I don't, I don't want to know what you think about it, right? I take off my clothes. I change my clothes. And, and the clothes that I change into are usually the clothes that are most convenient, which means they're the clothes that are either on the bed or on the floor, which I'm going to put away. I'm going to get around to putting them away. I'm not slovenly, right? Don't judge me. I just haven't put them away yet because they're ready to be worn after work. It's a, it's a system. And I put them on without really thinking about it, right? Sometimes I put them on, and then I go out and I run errands. This happened a few weeks ago. And then I find myself in a store, and I kind of look under my armpit, and there's a nice big snot stain from when a child hugged me. And I'm like, cool. I'm out and about covered in snot. That's fun. This is great. I love love this. This is good for me. This is a new look. But I wonder for how many of us there's not a conscious decision in what we put on. That maybe it's a little bit like coming home from work and just chucking on whatever's close. We just put on whatever is, is easily accessible to us. And sometimes in life, that's not something that's so helpful. Sometimes in life, I think we can so easily just chuck on a, a bad attitude, chuck on a negative outlook, chuck on some, some ways of looking and interacting with the world that are not helpful for us and others. I guess what I'm asking is, if you don't choose what you're dressing yourself in, how do you know what you're wearing? And how do you know that you're not gonna look back on it and think, man, was I really wearing that? Maybe we could say it this way. What, what habits have you formed? What, what do you need to take off? What do you need to put on? What are you in danger of looking back and thinking, man, what was I wearing? And so today, or, or what I simply wanna do is suggest to have a look in the wardrobe. What do we put on every day in the very simple, most basic ways that we behave? And do those things help us to be dressed in faith, love, love? and hope. I said we get practical, so let, let's get even more practical. A, a helpful place to start, and follow me on this because it might feel a little bit silly, but a helpful place to start is, is what are we wearing? We can start with the idea of, of posture. Like, Jono, what do you mean by, by posture? Like, here's some profound theological insight into, oh, posture actually means this in the Greek. No, I literally mean what your mum would say. Like if someone looks at you from across the room in the way you are holding yourself in your physical body, what would they think is going on in your mind? And this can feel silly, right? This can feel like pop psychology, but there's some actual research to this. You may have come across Amy Cuddy. She did a a famous TED talk about the effect of taking a power stance, Right? And I'm not going to fully commit to the power stance because that would be embarrassing. She said to do it side stage, which I do every week before I preach. I I assume a power stance before I come on. That's not true. Right? But to take like an expensive, I'm going to show you, but you can't laugh. Right? But it's all right because just going to do a quick prep power stance over here. So a power stance over there, so now I'm ready to power stance in front of you because a power stance, that was silly, a power stance, right? So to take, do something like to stretch out your legs a little bit, and she says to do the Wonder Woman, which is where you put your hands on your hips. Like it's kind of more of a Superman, right? But she said Wonder Woman because she's a lady. She's, she's uh, contextualizing. But she says when we take an expansive posture with our bodies— Something actually happens to us at a physiological level. The the hormones in our body, the feeling of power and control that, that happens in us changes the way that we think and feel. Just simply from assuming a posture in our body. Her research basically found that the way in which we hold ourselves, our posture, has a direct influence on how we feel. Right? Not just that if you're in a slump, you get a sore back. Right? We all know that. We've got enough trained physios in the room. But also that, that standing tall and adopting expansive positions results in a more positive perception of yourself and potential changes in cortisol and testosterone levels in your body. I, I talked last week about uh, taking our thoughts captive, about changing how we feel by changing how we think, but this also applies to, to interacting with ourselves physically. Now, now, will you suddenly feel like the world is all, you know, sunshine and rainbows if you put a fake smile on your face? No. But are you likely to continue to feel like the world is a horrible place if you keep the scowl on your face? Probably, right? There's something about how we how we use our our body that that matters. Like half the population uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've been trying to get back into running. Um, I've been thinking about getting back into running more than I've been getting into running, but it's a process, right? We've been we're going about it, and and this week just passed. Em uh, had her wisdom teeth out. She's still at church on a Sunday. Can you do a round of pause for M? Thank you. Uh, I had a great joke there. This is just for Nick Buick. He's helping. Uh, he's helping in kids, but he can listen back to this later and he will laugh a lot. M had her wisdom teeth out, so don't ask for any advice. Right, because then, thanks, that's, yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, so you made a wisdom teeth out. I've started running. Keep on with the story, right? You guys are going to get lost. Uh, and, and the kids are not yet back at school. This is kind of our first summer holidays uh, in, in school term time. And summer holidays are much longer when your sk- kids are at school. I don't know if uh, other parents in the room have found that. And, and so what, what had happened to me is at some stage in the week, I'd gone for a run and I hadn't stretched properly. Because I only had time to go for a run. I didn't have time to stretch. And, and then the kids are at home, but the weather's not nice. And, and so the kids are kind of bouncing off the walls, and, and they're a little bit irritable, and, and I'm irritable, and Em is really the only one in the house with any excuse to be irritable, but she's an angel, so she was fine, uh, and I found myself walking around the house kind of bent over a little bit because my hamstrings were tight, and I hadn't stretched them out, and so I was feeling a bit grumpy, and, and then the kids were, were being annoying, right, as no one else's kids ever are, but they were just being a little bit annoying that day, and so I was feeling a little bit grumpy, and so I, I had a bit of a sna- snarl on my face, so I was kind of walking around the house like this, like... ah, Uh, Because just what kind of it came naturally, right? Like that's just the way that I felt like being in my body. My my body was sore, so I didn't want to stand up straight. I was feeling grumpy, so I had a bit of a a snout And and I had a moment. Mirrors are important to have in the house, aren't they? I had a moment where I walked past a mirror and I scared myself. It's like there is a monster in our house. What is? And I was like, oh no, that's me. It's like no wonder the kids are a little bit out of sorts. Their dad looks like he's going to eat them. And so I had to take a moment to intentionally kind of stand up. Like, Come on, Jono, you're a big boy. You're in charge of your body right now. You don't have to be hunched over. You don't have to be scowling. You can be a little bit grumpy. Maybe you've got a bit of a headache. You could take some Panadol. You could do something about this to take a moment to realize. And I, you know what? I put a bit of a smile on. I stood up straight. It didn't solve all the problems, but it helped in the moment, right? The day was still rainy. The kids still needed stuff. My, my hamstrings were still tight, but it helped me. And I wonder, how are we holding ourselves? How is our posture uh, influencing the way that we see and, and interact with the world? Because our posture can be a great indication of what we're wearing. Are we dressed in faith, love, and hope? Last week I told you this wasn't you know, a, a series of trials of, of Jono's, uh, uh, I sure, forgot what that word is, like power talks, TED talks, whatever the, motivational speaking, there we go, I got there in the end. I should have taken more of a power pose beforehand, it would help my brain. Right? This is actually based in Scripture. We can look at the book of Psalms. All throughout it, it tells us how to worship. And, and when the psalmist tells us how to worship, how to direct our attention to God, it never says, hey, stand with your hands in your pocket, looking at the ground as you worship God. There's nothing inherently wrong with that way of worshiping God, but the psalmist often tells us to take expansive postures, to lift our hands and worship, to, to bodily engage. Now, is God sad if we don't lift our hands? Right? Like, is he up there ready to receive our praise and worship? And he's like, ah, Jonah didn't lift his hands. Doesn't count. Sad day. Right? No. In in fact, could it be that these instructions are not for God? Right? Now, God is worthy of of our honor and our worship. God is worthy of us doing everything we can with our our body to to bring praise and worship to him. But what if there's more to that? And what if when you raise your hands bodily in celebration— What if, when you move your body in praise and worship, something happens in your body physiologically and psychologically that changes things? Maybe there is ancient wisdom found in the Psalms that we're only just figuring out how to measure that what we do with our bodies matters. And where in your day to day life could taking control of your posture, not being at the whim of how you're feeling, but instead choosing how your body presents itself and to you, to the world, be helpful? What simply adjusting how you were carrying yourself physically helped you to put on faith? To expect the best in the day, in the world, in the moment, to have our heads up looking for it. And the first question to you, what are you wearing, is what is your posture? The next thing in our wardrobe that we can be aware of to help us be dressed in faith, love, and hope is, is our breath. Right, I've spoken before about the fact that the Hebrew word for the name of God, that the Hebrew word that we translate Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is this word Yahweh. Right, but that is thought that, that the original intent, or some theologians would suggest an a, a t- intent that kind of evolved with time, was that this name wasn't pronounced. Because the ancient Hebrew, uh, the, the, the alphabet, it doesn't have vowels, and so the letters Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, that's how you spell Yahweh in, in ancient Hebrew, they're not really able to be pronounced as a word together. And, and instead what happens is, is as you try to pronounce this, this word Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh, it kind of comes out as yod heh which sounds a little bit like breathing. The, 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 the thinking is, is that the intent of the ancient Hebrew authors of Scripture is that the name of God would be unpronounceable because the letters together are simply the sound of breathing because the authors wanted to remind us that God is everywhere, that God is close, that God is in our very breath, that he holds it all together. Now, now practically, most of us live in a perpetual state of shallow breathing. We never quite give ourselves a, a, enough oxygen. You're probably shallow breathing right now because unless you're breathing deeply enough to bulge out your belly a little bit, to engage your, your diaphragm, you're not getting the proper amount of oxygen. And as a result, what happens is your heart starts to pump a bit faster. Your, your mind starts to get fuzzy. At around about 120 beats per minute, your, your mind loses sharpness. At around about 150 beats per minute, your, your mind basically shuts down. And we know this feeling, whether we realize it or not. It's that feeling when you're in the middle of a confrontation, some sort of an, an argument, and you can't think of the right thing to say, or you do something stupid, right? And, and then afterwards, five minutes later, as your heart has started to calm down, one of two things will happen based on what you did in that confrontation. Either you will think of the great thing to say, or like, oh, I really should have told them this. That would have, that would have sort of, like, brain, where were you? Why weren't you? Well, your, your heart was beating too fast, or you'll realize what you did say and go, oh, I really shouldn't have said that. Like that was a really unhelpful thing. That was, a, that was an overreaction. That was really hurtful. Why didn't I realize that was such a bad thing to say in the moment? Because your heart was beating too fast. Your brain wasn't getting enough oxygen. Maybe you don't feel like you're in control of your thoughts in your mind. Could it be that you're in a state, living in a state in which your heart is constantly beating too fast? Maybe the first step in setting your mind on things above is simply to regain control of your mind, breathing well, breathing deeply, taking a moment to allow your heart to settle and your mind to regain focus. What if simply adjusting how you were breathing could help us to put back on love? To, to realize, to stop and to settle, to regain control, to take stock, to have clarity, to put things in their right place. Where is our breath? So number one, where is our posture? Number two, where is our breath in terms of what we are putting on day to day with what we are practically doing? And the final item in our wardrobes today is, is our words. In, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus says, it's not what goes into your mouth that defiles you. You are defiled by the words that come out of your mouth. We talked about this last week, but kind of to, to recap and to build on a little bit, what we say are essentially our thoughts made manifest. It's the internal dialogue going on, coming out into the world. And, and the person that you talk the most to as a result of that will always be yourself, Right For every conversation you have with someone else, there are internal conversations going on. So when I say what you say, I don't just mean the very words you say. I mean the words that you talk to yourself. We see this in, in the encouragement of the psalmist. The psalmist says to themselves in Psalm 43, Why are you down in the dumpster, soul? Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. Right, this is why the Bible is so full of reminders that we not, need not just be mindful of our words, but intentionally be thankful with our words. Psalm 95, verse two, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyful to him with psalms. Psalm 100, verse four, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 18, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And don't just think it, but speak it, right? Psalm 107, verse two says, let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. Now, again, this isn't just a good idea in in the Bible. Left to, oh, that's a good idea. I'll just think about this. This is something that if we employ and practice, if we actually do it, it could change our lives. Research shows that if you have a journal and you write down five things that you were thankful for once a week, five things that you were thankful for once a week, your happiness could be boosted by as much as 25%. And I think no one in the room is like, you know what, I would not like to be any happier. I'm really enjoying my, you know, I just, I think any more happiness would be too much happiness, John. I could not handle it. And yet there's not many of us, if we're being honest, that would do something as simple. Five things once a week. That's not hours and hours of what I hope, right? If it's taking you an hour to find five things you're thankful for once a week, just do it a few more weeks in a row and I think the time will cut down. Right, five things we're thankful for once a week, and it could boost the the way that you see the world, the level of happiness that you would report by up to twenty five percent. Cause here's the thing there's, there's something in us which is we'll naturally tend towards fear. We'll naturally move away from hope. There's a thing in us that looks out for danger as a way to survive, but it's not actually a helpful way to live. And here's the thing about fear it's it's hope inverted. We could say it this way, fear is, is faith in the enemy, faith that the wrong things, the worst things will happen. And again, fear isn't necessarily bad. We don't need to feel guilty for feeling fear, but we can take a moment to say, hey, I've been thinking a bunch of fearful thoughts. I've been saying a bunch of fearful things. I'm gonna take a moment to intentionally take stock of my life and just set the balance back a little bit. Right like we talked about last week with the frequency illusion, to, to reprogram my mind a little bit, to look for some of the good things that are in life and not just focus on the bad. We could say it this way, what happens if we starve fear and we feed hope with our words? But What if simply adjusting how we are talking helped us to put on hope? Could I suggest that if Jesus is Lord of your life, he needs to be Lord of your lips as well? That our following him is not just some conceptual thing that we do, but is something that we embody, something that we choose to do. And if we are preaching negativity to ourselves, then is it any wonder if we've lost hope? So three things, very practical. Do not be surprised if you feel sore and cramped and grumpy if you're walking bent over and scowling. Right, The way in which we hold our body matters. Don't be surprised if you're feeling anxious, if you're breathing shallow and scared, and don't be surprised if you're feeling down, if your words are constantly negative. Now, I want to acknowledge, none of those things feel especially spiritual, do they? Like, John, I thought we'd come to church, thought we'd be a little bit more like, it just didn't quite feel, that feels very practical. Like, I feel like that's a a TED talk that that I could go to. There's, There's people on YouTube that say that. That's true. But, but what I want to point out is that how you treat yourself, how, how you treat your body, how you treat this gift from God is a profoundly spiritual thing, right? Your, your posture is spiritual because God made your body. And and He cares what you do with your body. We can honor God with our body. Your breath is spiritual because God's name is uttered every time you inhale and exhale. And He wants to be as close as a breath with you in your day-to-day life. Your words are spiritual because we create with our words, right? God gave us the ability to speak, to to make things. We are unlike any other created thing in that we can create with our words. You know, like Paul says in, in Romans chapter 12, this is one to two. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Oh, it doesn't feel very spiritual. Like my, my, my sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around, like none of those, there's, no, there's no praise there, there's no worship. You didn't mention prophecy. He didn't say speaking in tongues. All of those things are important as well, but, but what we do with our ordinary lives matters, right? God is not only present on a Sunday morning. He's present Monday morning when you're brushing your teeth. How can you brush your teeth to the honor of God, right? How can we bring God or, or make ourselves aware of God's closeness in our day-to-day life? Paul continues, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't be so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, God brings the best out of us when we place our everyday, ordinary life in front of him as an offering. Not, not just the moments that we think of spiritual or, or, or sacred, but all of it, because it is all spiritual and sacred. And so my question to you today is, is, what are you wearing? Put on love, put on hope, and put on faith. It's an embodied faith, a lived out faith, a real faith. Not just in our minds, but expressed in our posture, our breathing, and our words. Which brings me to my second two points. You're like, John, I, you're only one point in of three. These ones are much shorter. They don't have any sub points, I promise, right? In fact, just to show off, I'm gonna welcome the band to the stage because uh, I'm ready to finish. A second point today, if you're taking notes, is the tension in acting. Right? I, I wanna acknowledge that some of you here today, you're like, a wardrobe? Right, like dress myself in love, breathing, posture. What, what are you talking about? This sounds fake. Like I don't want to do something that doesn't feel true to myself. I don't want to do something that doesn't feel real in the moment. I, I want authenticity. I've got to be me, right? I need to live my own truth. I don't want to act like anything. And I get that. There, there is a value. There is a need in authenticity. But, but at the end of the day, I'm not suggesting that you pretend to be anything. I'm not saying that we pretend to be something that you're not. I'm telling you that, that God is calling you to live as He says that you are. There are two ways of viewing the world. We can live from, from our broken worldview and our sin and our shame, or we can choose to fix our eyes on something bigger. To say, God, maybe I don't know all of how the world is. Maybe when I look out and all I see are lemon trees, there's actually something else going on but maybe you're at work. Maybe the world is good and trending towards goodness. Maybe I can look for where you are working and join you in it. See, God doesn't want you to act like someone you're not. He wants you to act like who he says you are. And there's nothing about that that's phony because here's what we've got to let sink in deep. The desires that you feel pulling you in the wrong direction are not who you are anymore, right? That's who we used to be. Like Paul says in Galatians 2 verse 20, you can say this about yourself when you're battling how you feel. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me and the life I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now I live a life by faith. So I'm not gonna do what I feel. I'm gonna do what I know is right. And now you're not just what you feel. You're what God says about you. You are creature of the day. So let's act like it. Not to be fate, but like C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity, very often the only way to get equality in reality is to start behaving as if you had it already. To so remember, we're not pretending. But we can choose what we're wearing. We can be dressed in love, faith, and hope because we are new, because it is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. But we are not daughters of the night and sons of the dark. We are daughters of the day, sons of the light. We have a new nature, a new story, a new future. It was bought for us when Jesus died on the cross. To realize and embrace my feelings are not facts. I'll choose how I'll act. I'll choose what I wear. Since we are creatures of the day, let's act like it. Which brings me to my third and final point. The importance of being awake. Paul says in verse six, so let us not sleepwalk through life like those others. I don't know about you, but I found it's all too easy, all too easy to sleepwalk through life. Right, to, to live a life distracted. To live a life where, where we're not really choosing anything, but we're just bouncing from reaction to reaction. Things happen to us, but, but we don't really happen to anything else. We, we live from a place of, of reactivity and we find our place, ourselves in places that we didn't intend. Paul is simply reminding us that we are not passive observers of our life, that that we get to choose and that we have a responsibility to be careful with what we're choosing, to be awake, to be intentional, to take responsibility. What am I choosing? Am I choosing significance or am I choosing comfort? Am I choosing freedom or am I choosing bondage? Am I choosing life or am am I choosing death? Or maybe the question is simply, am I choosing? Or am I sleepwalking? Am I going through life on on autopilot? Do you find yourself in life in the bathtub, fully dressed, playing the recorder? Wrong place, wrong time, unhelpful. Because often in life, that's a reality. We find ourselves in places we never intended to be, feeling, doing things we never intended to do, but unsure what to do about it. Paul in Thessalonians also uses sleep to describe death. And I think all too often we can be that, the, the walking dead moving from moment to moment, simply responding dead to ourselves, dead to meaning, dead to calling. And the greatest tragedy would be to realize at the end of our lives that we never really lived, never had any impact, never had any meaning, never lived for anything beyond ourselves. The the Bible talks a lot about putting our flesh to death. We've said this before, but flesh isn't antibody, but it's simply our misshapen desires, misshapen by sin and shame. Because left to our own devices, we seem to consistently choose what is bad for us and others. Today, my, to finish, my, my question is this. Do you need to wake up? As we go into this new year, and, and I hate to burst the bubble for you, but we're in the new year. Right? At Pekin, we discussed that it's almost February, and that gave me a minor panic attack. But as we enter into this new year, do you need to stop sleepwalking and choose to be a creature of the light, choose to act like it? to take control over how you're feeling by taking control of your thoughts, to choose to be dressed in love, faith, and hope by choosing to treat your everyday, ordinary life as significant and spiritual. To be God-honoring enough to say, hey, it doesn't just have to be big concepts and ideas, and, and we wanna have plenty of that, but actually what I do with my body, my very posture can be a way of honoring God. What I do with my breath the resource I give myself to even just think in day-to-day life can be honoring of God. And what I do with my words, not just what I say, but the words that I say to myself can be honoring of God. I'm a creature of the day. I'm a son of the light. I'm a daughter of the day. And so I can act like it. Church, will you stand to your feet with me? In a moment, we're gonna finish with a song of praise. I say that to you because I'm giving you lots of warning because I want you to think about how could you put into practice the idea that what you do with your body matters? Is there a way in which you could praise that might be a little bit uncomfortable, that might be helpful to you? That as you leave, something in you is different, something in is, you is, is encouraged, is built up because you chose to not just praise with words, but to praise with your body. But before we do that, if I could ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Last week, I, I shared a quote from C.S. Lewis that's just been on replay in my mind for a while now that the doors of hell are locked from the inside. What that means is we choose if we have a relationship with Jesus or not. We choose if he is close or if he is far. And if we lock him out, then, then we live a life with God locked out. And so what I want to do before we go any further this morning is simply to take a moment to say, if you're here today, you would acknowledge I've locked God out. Maybe somewhere along the way you knew him, you loved him, you had a relationship with him, but something's happened and you've locked him out. You're trusting in other things. Your foundation is something else. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer, and I'd simply like to know if you want to pray this prayer with me, to choose to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, to choose to make him the foundation of your life, the place from which you live and breathe and have your being, you find your meaning, your value, your purpose, your calling. So if that's you here today, his head's bowed, his eyes are closed, in the room or online. You want to choose to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It says it's you and God. Would you raise your hand and just let me know. I'd love to know who I'm praying this prayer with. If that's you, would you raise your hand in three, two, one. If that's you, would you just raise your hand nice and high and let me know. Awesome, I see the hand. Others here today are saying, yeah, that's me, Jono. I'm going to choose to trust Jesus. Maybe it's a first time, or maybe you're choosing to recommit. I had Jesus in my life somewhere along the way. I feel like I've pushed him out and I've locked the door. I want to let him back in. I don't want to belabor the moment, but I don't want to pass you by. If, if your heart's beating in your chest, you're like, I think I'm breathing deeply, but I think God's doing something. If that's you one more time, would you just raise your hand nice and high and let me know. Awesome. Church, would you pray this prayer with me today? Jesus, today I choose to trust you. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you came for me. Today, I want to start following you. I need you to help me to continue to follow you. I love you. Forgive me. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as we keep our heads bowed, our eyes closed said in a moment we're going to finish with a song of praise but just before we do I just want to give a moment if you're here and, and you would acknowledge I feel like I've been asleep hopefully not literally today but if that's the case that's all right all right we take all feedback if you're hearing I feel like I've been sleepwalking through life I feel like I've been on autopilot I feel like I, I realized you know, I, I am what I do and I'm what I say and, and I don't know if I've been intentional in either I've just been behaving how I feel. My posture's been out of whack because I've been feeling like that. My, my breathing's been shallow. I've, I've just been bouncing from thing to thing. Today I want to choose to take back my own autonomy. So I don't get to choose everything that happens to me in life, but I can choose how I respond. I can choose what I do. Today I want to trust God a little bit more. I want to I wake up. I want to choose to be a creature of the day. I want to act like it. If that's you, just as heads about and eyes are closed, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but I'd like to create a moment in which we can reflect and go, hey, I, I made a decision then. In that first month of the year, I chose how I wanted to behave and I can behave in line with that. And so if that's you, just as heads about, eyes are closed in this moment between you and God, would you just let me know? But more importantly, would you let yourself know, hey, I'm choosing to wake up. I'm choosing to take back control, to take authority over my life just by raising your hand. I've been sleepwalking. And be active and be intentional awesome there are hands going up all around the place would you just rather than raising your hand would you just raise your hands to God open them in surrender come on if there are those of us here today who are saying I don't know if I've been sleepwalking but I want to trust God a little bit more maybe I haven't been sleepwalking but I've been in kind of that fugue state when you wake up in the morning you're a little bit half asleep half awake I want to be intentional in my life awesome God we come to you today as your people And God, we want to be a people who do not just believe in you, but who trust in you, whose faith is more than just a collection of ideas, concepts, but is embodied and lived out in our our everyday, breathing, living life. God, would you help us to take our our ordinary, but yet profoundly spiritual life and honor you with it, to honor you with our body, to honor you with, with what we might put on in the day, to honor you with our thoughts to honor you with our breath. Would you be close? Would we come to rely on you more and more? Would you help us? God, we don't want to white-knuckle our way through this. We don't want to behave well through simply trying to do it in our own strength. That is the law, and and you made a new covenant that surpasses and replaces the law. So God, would you help us to do it through and by your grace? pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Check out our website at equipuschurch.com forward slash Christchurch.